Hey everybody, welcome back to Murder Happy Hour. What's up? It's me, Amber. It's me, Morgan. Oh, that sounded really Valley Girl. Yuck. I know, like this that's the worst part about the about podcasting is being like Hi. Cause you just like well, start just the episode. sounded like Karen Kilgariff. Hey, hey! I haven't listened to my favorite murder in a while. I'm behind. I get a kick out of them. I like them. If you haven't listened, have a listen. They're good. And their book too is good. If you haven't read their book, "Stay yeah. Sexy, Don't Get Murdered," that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yes. You but go- today, today you get us. We are not Karen and Georgia, but we are Morgan and Amber. So here we are. A whole different setup. <laughs> You're so lucky. Yeah, we make just so close to the amount of money I'm sure they make on their podcast. <laughs> yeah, 100%. We're killing it. We totally are. But you know what? We're not in it for the money or the fame, you guys. <laughs> Obviously. Oh, <clearly. laughs> we just like to talk about murder. And you know what? There's a handful of you who like to listen. So thank you. We're we appreciate you. I yeah more than a handful like a few hand like shovelfuls if you will. Uh, I think we do pretty darn good. Me too. So I mean, all circumstances. Yeah, we just threw it out there, and here we are, thirty six yeah ish weeks later. Sure. Yeah, deep into it. Yeah. So, um, today we're going to bring you the story of just a good old-fashioned 1970s serial killer, because that's my jam. Yeah. We are talking today about David Berkowitz, also known as the Son of Sam. Yes, a good old-fashioned serial killer. This is what I like. Mm-hmm. Just like the classics. Like, if you aren't even super into, like, murder stuff, true crime, serial killers, like, even if you've watched Mindhunter, he, they feature him on Mindhunter, and, like, the accuracy of it is really uncanny. Like, the actor they got to portray him and everything was really similar. I have, I feel embarrassed to even say this, but I need to watch Mindhunter still. Ooh, you do. Absolutely. No, I haven't. I've tried to watch the first episode like three times, and it's one of those ones where I just really need to be in the zone. And apparently I only try and watch it when I'm not in said zone, so... And I will be honest, this is one of those shows I also tried to watch... And didn't like the first episode, couldn't finish it, couldn't get into it, but, like, just eventually did go back and try it. So, like, you got to power through the first one. And then it gets better. Because I feel like the first one just drags. Like, it's, like... And it's almost like it doesn't make sense. Like, you're not sure what you're going to get, but it is totally worth the investment. Why is this guy having random sex with this girl he meets at a nightclub? Like, I'm just so confused. But it'll all come together, and there's, like... All kinds of really good, okay. like, very true-to-life um, portrayals of 
serial killers and stuff of this time. So, yeah. It's a good one. I'll try. Again. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to, but I would recommend. I feel like I will really like it. Like, it's just one of those things, you know, where you have to, like, force it upon yourself. Uh-huh. If that makes sense without sounding like a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's, it's not one of those things. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Anyway, so son of Sam, David Berkowitz. Um, he was uh, actually born as Richard David Falco, June first, nineteen fifty-three, um, and was soon adopted by Nathan and Pearl Berkowitz, who renamed him to David. His mom just basically gave him up. Yep. He was uh, a, a love child. His mom was having an affair with a gentleman who was married and had his own family. Ooh, sure. Yep. So, so that work out so good. Right. So, yeah. So, he was adopted. Unfortunately, his adoptive mom passed away when he was a teenager. Um, and he took it super hard. Like, this is probably one of the first things that just, like, really started him and his... Mm-hmm. I don't know. His, putting him in a bad place, I guess, we'll say. Um, he also, of course, as with every, like good standard 1970s serial killer displayed all the signs as a child, like destroying property, killing animals, setting fires, feeling things, you know, all the bad stuff, all the usual serial killer traits. Um, and he just was kind of like, I don't know. He seemed to me like he was pretty depressed. Like he wanted more of a social life. He like wished he could have a girlfriend and like have sex and all this stuff and like be a little more normal and just like, just wasn't that type of a person. Um, he eventually enlisted in the army and served in South Korea. Mm-hmm. And he came back to New York, which is where he was living. Um, and he got a job at the U S postal service and was still just kind of, like, nothing changed. Like, he was described as a loner. He was really angry still, just kind of, like, hadn't dealt with his past issues, was still really upset over his mom's death and, like, lack of social life and things like that. And then to make things worse, he found out that his birth mom, which he had previously thought died during childbirth, was alive and had just given him up. Yeah, so he was 22 when he met her, and she still was kind of just, like, uninterested in meeting him, really. I mean, she gave him up for a reason and just didn't, like, want anything to do with him. And aside from the fact that he'd been lied to this whole time, so he just, like, had this mindset of just, like, he was unwanted and he was, like, angry at women, you know. It's just, like, all these classic... Yeah. yeah, it is worth noting, too, that he was above average intelligence. Mm. Which it clearly was, didn't do anything for him here. Yeah, fairly, <laughs> fairly smart. And then he actually, well, we'll get to that, but yeah, but was actually 
pretty smart, but you almost kind of wonder that too. Sometimes people with fairly high IQs have a hard time relating like on a social aspect. Absolutely. Yeah. So that could maybe have played into it a little bit. Right. Like he clearly was like a little, I don't know, awkward or outcasty. Awkward. Yes. Yep. So not long after he returned um, to New York, he started on his violent streak of wounding and murdering people. So around Christmas, I actually think Christmas Eve of 1975, he came upon two teenage girls on the street and stabbed them. Yeah, and started out with the knife. Didn't work out so good. Yeah, they survived the attack. I mean, thank goodness for them. Yes. Uh, Unfortunately, um, so a few months later, July 29th of 76, he came upon two different teenage girls, Jody Valenti and Donna Loria, and they were just sitting in Jody's car outside of Donna's house. I think they were, like, on their way back from somewhere, and she was dropping her off, and they were chatting or whatever. Um, and he came upon them and shot them with a 44 caliber gun. Which another Donna, fact, he's also known as the 44 caliber killer. Yes. One in this game. Yeah, it was like he tried the stabs. Stabby wasn't stab. His wasn't his jam. Found himself a gun he liked and the rest is history. So yeah, so Don, yeah, <laughs> so Donna died. Jody did not die, but he didn't know that right away. He actually found that out the next day by reading the newspaper. October, so again a few months later, he shot a couple who was in a parked car: Carl De Niro and Rosemary Keenan. Yeah. Um, and again, they were. I think they were both just injured. I don't think either of right. these died. But Carl had very long hair. He likely mistook him for a woman. Interesting. Interesting. Women were obviously that was his, where his anger lied. Right, yeah. Clearly he had women issues. Yes. Then he starts to escalate a little bit. It's only a month later, November. Again, two teenage girls, um, they were walking home, Donna DeMassi and Joanne Lomino. I don't know what, I don't know what happened to these ones. I think he (laughs) shot them. I don't think these two died. I didn't, like, go back and count all my names. Like, I know how many people he murdered and wounded. Yeah. I mean, the ass. I just thought it was funny. I don't know what happened to these ones. (laughs) Our apologies, ladies. (laughs) I hope, I hope Donna and Joanne made it out okay. but um, And so at this point, he's been killing and, you know, attempting to kill people for almost a year now. But so far, police were not connecting these crimes because they were being committed in totally different parts of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, the victims didn't know each other. Like, it wasn't, you know, they just seemed yeah. to be, like, random yeah. crimes. Yep. Except they um, all have very Italian names, I feel like. <laughs> yes. I was, like, typing out the names, and I'm like, wow, oh, man, oh, this is a new one. And then I'm like, wait, didn't I type this one out already? And I'm like, no, it just is 
Same or different. (laughs) Yeah, so also, again, if I'm pronouncing them terribly. Yeah, we're not making fun of people with Italian last names. Oh, absolutely not. Actually, like, I think they're really cool last names. I just, I mean, I have a hard-to-pronounce last name, too, and it is what it is. It's nobody's fault. My married name is a lot better than my... (laughs) (laughs) It's just... For, like, nickname-wise. Yeah. (laughs) My old... My old name, my maiden name, was um, much easier to pronounce. But, mm-hmm. again, it is what it is. I'll just correct you if you get it wrong. Um, anyway, so David here, January of 97 now, um, is continuing on his shooting spree. It's another couple that he shoots this time. Um, Christine Frund and her fiancé, John Deal. And he shot her, he shot Christine twice in the head and killed her. And again, I took really terrible notes. I think the fiancé survived. (laughs) (laughs) We're not sure what happened to him either. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I just don't know. Like I said, I could totally go back and count because I have the counts total, but just not. It's neither here nor there. I mean, I'm sure it is to them. (laughs) It is. This is important, but I just, just I apologize. It's just as important that they get injured or murdered. Like their everybody's lives matter. Yeah, very dramatic. Yes, terrible. Sorry about that. Anyway, so (laughs) so he has been using this 44 caliber gun in all the killings, and the police are now finally starting to connect the crimes, and you know now they're calling him the 44 caliber killer. And but I mean they totally get it, you know, because New York is huge, and yeah. And, like, it's the 70s, That's and true. police jurisdictions probably are, like, you know, they don't have the interweb to connect all these things. Yeah. But, yeah, so they're finally, like, okay, we think it's the same guy, whatever. Um, but they don't have him yet. March, he shot a college student, Virginia we're going to call her Virginia V because I'm not even going to try to pronounce her last name. Um, she was walking home from class and he shot her in the face, killed her. Oh, my. Oh. Um, next month, April, another couple, Valentina Surinam and Alexander Esau, were in their car. Um, but this time, he wants some recognition and he also apparently does not like his nickname of the 44 caliber killer because he he now is calling himself the son of sam and he left this letter addressed to the new york police department captain and he also like he's now starting to like leave notes that are taunting the police he's also sending them to a journalist for the daily news Um, and he's just like, a lot of it is crazy. Like he, I mean, he'll say things like to, to stop me, you must kill me or I'll be back. Um, he's saying that he was like commanded to go out and kill. These are all direct quotes from these letters. We'll post a picture of at least one of these letters, but yeah, he was like basically taunting them and being like, 
come and get me. And also, I'm the son of Sam. And, like, leaving all these cryptic, like, drawings and things, too. Yeah. So, he's writing all these letters. And he basically became kind of like a celebrity. Which is kind of mind-blowing. But it's the 70s. Yeah, whatever. So, June of 77 rolls around, um, Sal Lupo and Judy Placido, again, sitting in a car together, um, he shot at them, they were injured, but they did not die. He hurt so many people, like, he didn't, like, yeah, he killed plenty, but, like, jeepers. Well, he actually, yeah, so he actually only murdered, and I should say only murdered, this is terrible, (laughs) he murdered six people, and he wounded seven, so, I mean, if his intent here was to kill people, his <laughs> record, he had a losing record. <laughs> yeah, that's great. But it's just like, geez. And then he heard that. And then this person got shot in the face, but they survived. Like, good God, his bad aim, apparently. Well, and I just wonder, yeah, like, he obviously was just like, pew, pew, and just like took off, you know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Made me think of that TikTok. Pew, pew, pew. It's a chapa. <laughs> I would say that one. Oh. No, I don't do I don't do the TikTok. I've only seen like a handful of them. But yeah, so I mean, obviously at this point too, like the women of New York were terrified, and a lot of the women that he was, or I think most of them that he was targeting were had dark hair. So a lot of people, if they had dark hair, were dyeing their hair blonde or they were buying wigs and just, like, doing anything they could to, like, stay off his radar. And it actually was one of the largest manhunts in New York history. They had over 300 officers working on this and just basically, like, in this huge race to find this guy. I mean, obviously, he's just, for two years, just, like, shooting yeah Mm. so um his final attack was on july 31st of 1977 um stacy moskowitz and bobby violante um stacy ended up dying bobby was shot and went was shot must have been shot in the head or in the eye because he was blinded but he did end up surviving um, the kicker here, though, is that there was a witness who saw a man get into a car with a parking ticket on it. And so they reported this specific thing to the police, which I just, like, love this. <laughs> so what, this is, like, my one thing that I'm super proud of <laughs> is that when I was in college, I witnessed a hit and run. I happened to be looking out my window at my house. And totally saw this person, like, hit a car and then drive off. And I was like, oh, Oh. (laughs) yep, I, like, got my paper out and, like, wrote down the license plate and description as much as I could. And I reported it to the cops. So (laughs) I would totally be this, this person being like, OMG, this person got in the car. There was a parking ticket on it. But they were able to search and see, you know, who who got parking tickets and, like, match the vehicle description. And the, it was a yellow car, right? I think so. Yeah, I want to say it was a yellow Volkswagen, of all things. It's like, 
Yellow car is not a real typical color now. I don't know if it was then. But I you don't see a ton of yellow cars. No, it's one of the rarer colors, I suppose. I just imagine him, like, <laughs> taking off from a murder scene in, like, a VW bug. <laughs> right? There's, like, a daisy in the window. <laughs> we all know somebody that had one of those and had a little flower in their cup holder. <laughs> well, Ted Bundy drove a Volkswagen. Yeah. Oh, it was kind of the thing. Maybe that was, like, a... A serial killer thing, but Which we all, anyone who knows me well knows that my dream car <laughs> is a bug convertible. Mm-hmm. And I want one so bad. I still don't have one, but someday I'm going to be that lady cruising around town in my VW bug convertible. Preferably yeah. white with a black roof or that yellowish color. I would be okay with that. But I don't want, like, a pink one or anything like that. Like, I want what I want. Just, like, basic and just kind of classy but fun. Yeah. And I'm going to cruise around in it. I can see it. So, they were able to narrow it down. And um, they ended up arresting David Berkowitz on August 10th of 1977. So, just 11 days after his last murder. And he confessed right away and was just basically like, yep, I did it. And you know why I did it? This is where the Son of Sam thing comes in. Mm -hmm. He confessed to all the murders. He said he (laughs) he was obeying orders of a demon that his neighbor Sam owned. Uh, or no, sorry, that he, I'm, I'm trying to get all of them. It's hard to get all the pieces together. <laughs> so, so he confessed to all the murders. And he claimed, he, he said that he was just obeying the rules from this demon in the form of a dog that belonged to his neighbor, Sam. So he, his brain told him that this dog was actually a demon giving him orders. Yes. And that's where Son of Sam comes from, which yeah. is... <laughs> which makes it... Like, Sam... It was Sam Carr was the neighbor, the neighbor's name, and that's where it came from, and it makes no sense. No. Whatsoever. Like, to and, try to explain it, to, like, get all those pieces in is, like, What? Yeah, exactly. And he, um, they did multiple psych evals on him because obviously, like, this sounds crazy, you know. And he was never declared mentally ill. He, actually, one psychiatrist um, had said just after one time talking to him, it was, like, very obvious that he did not have any mental illness at all he was just like way too level-headed and just like just like his mind like he was very I think quote clear-headed and just like knew exactly what he was doing when he made the killings and the, the story while it was crazy it was clearly like he had thought about it carefully it wasn't like when 
you know, somebody having like a crazy psychotic break or something and like not making any sense. He just was making too much sense. He was making too much sense while making no sense. Like, right. (laughs) Um, But he even he eventually denied the whole thing. He was like, no, that wasn't true. Like, I just made that up and. Well, I hope so. We didn't believe you. (laughs) We weren't going to, like, go find this demon inside the dog because we were pretty sure that that wasn't true. Um, But, yeah, so he ended up um, being able to stand trial. Apparently the trial was very dramatic. He tried to jump out a window in the courtroom, like, I want to say it was, like, a seventh-story window. Um, Total cray-cray. And he, like, I think he really ate up the publicity of it. I mean, obviously, with, like, all the letters that he was leaving and taunting, like, he liked the attention and whatnot. And um, so kind of, like, the, the why behind it, this is, like, this is my favorite part of researching serial killers because... Or why... Yeah, because to me, it's like it totally, I mean, murder is bad no matter what, but you can see the reasoning behind, you know, most of the time it's somebody that the person knows. It's like a crime of passion. It's, you know, they have like a, in their mind, they have a reason why. Um, But this one, they just kind of narrowed it down to... um, his hate for women and how he just felt rejected and unwanted. And so being able to just like be powerful and like, you know, over the women and just kill them and exert his power made him feel good about himself. Which is like so terrifying that it doesn't even matter who you are. You just have this guy coming after you, shooting you. And maybe, maybe murdering you, but maybe just injuring you. (laughs) Yeah, and he's just still chilling in prison. Uh Uh-huh. He, and he doesn't even care to get out. Well, I hope not. He's apparently a born-again Christian. I mean, don't they all, aren't they all (laughs) in prison? (laughs) They're like, oh yeah, I'm a good person now. Jesus um, I behave so well in prison. Right. But yeah, no, I guess he's been up for parole a few times, but always denied. So I guess to me, I thought this was really interesting because I had always heard of this guy and heard of this story. And I just kind of thought that's where it ended. But there's actually a couple different theories in this one that maybe um, he didn't actually act alone. Yes. Which is, like, crazy to me. Like, I just really thought it was just this one guy, and I think that's what most people think. But um, one of the survivors, Carl De Niro, truly believes he was shot by a woman. He doesn't even think it was a man that shot him. And even there's police detectives who think that it was, like, this bigger satanic cult type thing. Which one that Yeah, so and which kind of ties into the whole like 
son of Sam demonic possessed dog thing a little bit. So I, I don't know, but yeah. So apparently there was like these, um, animal sacrifices found in a park and there was all this like pedophilia and child pornography. And it was kind of linked to like, sort of like the satanic ritual, like cult thing and they had, this was, like, separate from this investigation. But then Berkowitz himself had even mentioned it after he had, you know, said, no, just kidding about the crazy dog story. He was like, yeah, no, like, there was actually these other people involved, and it was this whole satanic ritual thing. He even said that Sam Carr, the one who owned the supposed demon dog that he was involved and like his family was involved. And I mean, not that we can really believe what Berkowitz says, but then Sam Carr's family started dying off suspiciously. (laughs) Um, And interestingly enough, um, Sam Carr's, well, interesting to me because it's local. um, His son, John, Died from a gunshot wound in Minot, North Dakota. And it was originally ruled a suicide, but then it was reopened as a murder investigation. And his other son, Michael, died in, like, a suspicious one-car accident. Like, no skid marks, like, kind of thing. You know, could, like, could also have been a suicide, but likely not. Like, so just kind of mysterious. Um... And, yeah, so I don't know, like, it kind of makes sense to me because this guy, this David Berkowitz, seems really susceptible to maybe, like, you know, being in a cult or buying into satanic rituals just because, you know, he was sort of lost. He, like, felt unwanted, so maybe if somebody accepted him into this group and he got in with it, but I don't know. I don't know if I believe the Satan. I don't. Oh God, I don't know. I don't know either because to me it seems like there was nothing ritualistic about it. It was just like walking up to people and shooting yeah. them. I just don't think so. I think it I was a fear of rejection from women because his mom rejected him. Mm-hmm. Then his own mom died, or then his like his adopted mom died. I just really feel like it was a something like that. I don't think it was more people satanic. I do too, because don't you think that, I don't know, that there'd almost be more of it or I don't know. No, I also, I agree with you. I think he acted alone mm-hmm. and I think they were right on and there might be other weird satanic culty things happening in New York very well, but I don't know. This guy just seems like it was all the power for him. And yeah. So he says now, after all this time, he, he says that it was an obsession with the occult and he wanted to serve Satan. So he's like a minister in prison now, of course. And he now calls himself the Son of Hope. Well, isn't that nice? Isn't that fantastic? What a way to just turn it around. 
I mean, don't we all just turn it around in prison after we murder a bunch of people? <laughs> We've become a good person now. Look at me. Yeah, I don't know. I think this guy is just a very, very, obviously from a young age, had issues. Yeah, he just seemed to have violent tendencies and yeah. problems coping with, you know, kind of normal I shouldn't say normal rejection, but, you know, normal rejection, whereas people would be able to move past it. He just really held on to it. and Yeah, I think it started with his mom, and then it just kind of, then his mom, then his adopted mom died when he was younger, like 13. And I think that just, then as he got older, his real mom rejected him again. Right. So I just think it was like the fear of rejection from women. Right. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know if he like had bad experience with the ladies or if he just like never even really put himself out there because he just thought he was just like afraid of women. So this is kind of his way of showing he's not afraid, showing he's powerful, showing he can, you know. Yeah, that would be my guess, but. So, yeah. Who knows? I mean, you don't know if what this guy is telling you is the truth. No, because he obviously decided to make up this crazy story to begin with and then was like, Mm -hmm. ha ha, JK. Yeah, I guess he told his court-appointed psychiatrist that he wanted to lash out his anger Against the world that had rejected him. Oh, yeah. So, like, hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Even he knows. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it might have taken a lot of therapy sessions to get to the point. <laughs> <laughs> Just a thought. Oh, it was kind of nice to cover a classic. Yeah. It's, like, kind of daunting to tackle a really infamous serial killer, but when you dig in, it's not. It's just, they're just a regular messed up dude. Mm-hmm. I don't know who my favorite serial killer is. <laughs> well, everyone knows mine. It's Ted yeah. Bundy. Uh, Amber's all about the Ted Bundy. Ah, I don't know. I'm Andrew Kunanen. I just looked up a list of infamous serial killers. That's Which the one that killed he? Versace. Oh. That one's an interesting one. Charles Manson is the one that scares me the most. Totally he, freaked me out. And funny thing is, he didn't even kill no. anybody. Nope. But he, I mean, with his own hands. He didn't... I shouldn't say that, because I definitely think he's responsible for... Deaths, but yeah, at at his own physical hands, he did not kill anybody. And that's maybe what's so scary about Mm -hmm. him. That he manipulated that many people. Yes. Gosh, I don't know. I think I'm going to have to go with Kunanen. My My second one is the Golden State Killer. That one's also, yeah, one that I'm... I don't, yeah, I would say if I had to pick two favorites, those would probably be it. Because the Golden State Killer, like, has such a, I don't want to say a happy ending, 
But like now it's like like finally justice yeah is that's being served. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. It's cool that it was in like our lifetime. Yeah. Something that happened so before our lifetime is now finally being resolved. It's all coming full circle. We like those ones. I think the craziest of all the crazies Bundy and Manson. Mm-hmm. Most interesting to me are the Kuna Andrew Kunanen, which if you guys have, I think I've plugged this before, but if you have not watched the assassination of Gianni Versace, watch it. The guy that plays Andrew Kunanen on that series, like spot on, like great actor. Amazing. It was so interesting. I was very, very deep into that. I don't want to say this, but I wish Hannibal Lecter was a real serial killer because he's my favorite. We all know that, but it's not real. But we're it, that's okay, though, that he's not real. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with it. <laughs> no, that's why, like, my favorite show of all time is Criminal Minds because that's basically what all of those cases are is just serial killer I mean fictional obviously but like fictional serial killers with all these crazy stories and like ways of killing people like I know I'm a weirdo but yeah, obviously here. everybody else likes it too because that series is very popular <laughs> Criminal Minds is very popular mm-hmm. and Amber and I have an unpopular opinion with Criminal Minds who our favorite guy is on there oh Reed yeah, Spencer Reed. We're both like totally. I like Derek Morgan too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but like, give me all the Spencer Reed. Yes. He's just like, I just oh. love him. Yeah, and so smart. So smart and so sensitive and like, I mean, I think he is pretty dang good looking in like a nerdy, cute way. Yeah. So. We know that this is 100% the unpopular opinion. So you don't need to add us and be like, oh, my God, Derek Morgan. Like, we know he's good looking. We get it. But you know what? We don't care. We don't care. We're all about the Spencer Reed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, kids, that's what we got for you today. This is where, we, uh, where we're at. Mm-hmm. This is where we leave you until next week. Until then, guys, stay safe and lock your freaking doors. And keep washing your hands. Bye. Bye.